Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Happy New Year, Heather. Happy New Year! It's 2023. Actually, for us, it's still 2022 recording this, but... For those listening, <laughs> it's our first episode of 2023. So we're sort of doing back to the future here tonight. So hello, have, future Heather and Rose. Hello. Well, I wonder what we would wish Heather and Rose, future Heather and Rose knew right now. I don't know. That's kind of scary. And I just waved at them and nobody I, can see them. <laughs> she did for the listening audience. <laughs> she waved at future Heather and Rose. <laughs> So, Heather, do you have any resolutions for the new year? Any goals? Well, since today is December 10th, not yet. Usually, <laughs> I don't. I'm not usually a resolution maker. I usually think of a couple things right at the beginning of the year that I want to go for, but I have not given any thought to it. So, yeah. No. <laughs> so, we're, we're, we're doing all these episodes in advance so that Heather can enjoy her holiday season at home in Florida. So, we're kind of recording these in advance. So, for me... Uh, resolutions are not my jam. I don't mm. really like them. Goals is sort of the same thing, but I used to always pick a word for the year. I did that for a few years, and my last word I picked was in 2018, for 2019, and the word was thrive. And given that the end of my 2019, <laughs> I felt ill for the next three years, I, I'm giving up on doing a word. Uh, I would like you to... You did thrive eventually, just two years later. Exactly. That's Well, that's true. Three years. Two, two years, years later. later. I guess three years. I would like to do... I have a lot of, like, intentions. Maybe that's a better word. I would like to be more disciplined in eating. I'd like to be more disciplined in sleeping. I would like to... I, so since I've been sick, I've and have gone through, the, I'd say probably in the last year, I've sort of not been as much of a reader as I used to be. And as a writer, that's sort of a bad thing. We need to be readers. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to get more into reading for the new year. Uh, <clears> I'm going <throat> to try to read through the classic book, The Bleak House by Charles Dickens with a friend of mm-hmm. mine. So we'll see how that goes. But one single thought is starting off the new year with a new series, a new resolution, (laughs) a new goal. We are starting off the new year with this episode that we're going to be doing periodically called Movies You Miss. Now, if you're an OG listener, you heard us talk about this in our pilot episode. But what is Movies You Miss? So basically, we're going to be recapping movies and their backlist movies. Movies that Heather and I will will each share some of our selections. But they're going to be movies that are not currently in the theater or currently released to streaming. But that they are available to watch, but are likely older Mm -hmm. movies. We've also committed to make sure they're family friendly, clean movies. We're not going to deal with any scandalous or horror type films. So basically our goal in the episodes will be to recap the movies, share our thoughts, we're going to look for any spiritual aspects, and then at the end of the episode we're going to rate the movie. So the movie that we're going to talk about today is You Can't Take It With You, which was the 1938 Oscar award winning movie Mm -hmm. for Best Picture. Now as we talk about the movie, just so you know, there are going to be some spoilers possibly. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to watch the movie, you could stop the episode, go watch the movie and come back. Or you may just want to listen to this. We kind of share the the plot of the movie and the characters and maybe catch it um, after you listen to the episode. Either way, I think it'll, it'll be enjoyable. Currently, as of this, as of this recording, you can watch, you can't take it with you on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Prime, and Vudu. So you can check it out on one of those platforms. So, Heather, why don't you share with us why we chose this movie? Well, this, I have to say, is probably my favorite movie of all time. I just love this movie. There's not much about this movie I don't like. It is one of Frank Capra's movies. So, if you have seen It's a Wonderful Life, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, It Happened One Night. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. So, just wonderful movies that are all about the triumph of the underdog. Very patriotic He was a devout Catholic, I believe, so there's a lot of undertones of 
Christian themes in these movies. This one was actually adapted from a play, and this movie was actually redone in 1979 based off the original play, I believe. And it's got some, it's got a lot of famous actors in that version. It was a TV movie. Yeah, it was a made-for-TV movie based on the play, so the dialogue is almost identical to the original mm-hmm. movie. And a lot of big stars from the 70s, like Gene Stapleton, Marla Gibbs, mm-hmm. Polly Holiday. Uh, it looks it looks really good. Neither one of us have seen that movie, but we're now intrigued to watch yeah. it. Yeah. We just found out about that as we were prepping for this. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that, and I've loved this movie for years. But the 1938 movie... It's got Jimmy Stewart as the the lead male character, Jean Arthur, who was also a very famous actress at the time. She has this very high squeaky voice and she, she's really, she's a comedic actress. So she, she did a lot of good stuff back then. And I love her and Jimmy Stewart together. But Jimmy Stewart, when you think of a Frank Capra movie, you tend to think of Jimmy Stewart. So I've always loved this movie since I first saw it. And I can't remember when I first saw it, but it's just one of those films that after you watch it, you just feel good after you see it. And I, I mean, we've had a rough week. I think this, we're on December 10th and it's walking, been a tough week. Uh, walking with a friend through some grief. And mm-hmm. it's been, it's been a hard week, but this movie, I watched it last night to prep for this because I've seen it a million times, but I getting ready for the podcast and it was just such a wonderful way to end the week. And so let's jump in Rose and the one single thought for this movie, we're going to borrow from a line in the, the movie, which won't make much sense at this moment, but it will later, but it will later and we'll explain it. But so just to, to pique your interest, the one single thought for today is the die is cast. I'm a lily. The die is cast. I'm a lily. <laughs> That's like a great line from the it's movie. It's a great line. All right, Rose, let's start with a summary of the movie. So I will share that to echo what Heather just said first before I get into the summary of the movie. It is a really good feel good movie. And I watched it a week or two ago and I had never seen it before and mm-hmm. I thought it was great and I just I loved it and so I, I mean not that I didn't think I wouldn't love it because who mm-hmm. doesn't love Jimmy Stewart and a good Frank Capra movie but it really it, it really was great. It's just a very light hearted but great message type movie. So let me give you the, the plot summary of the movie. So stenographer Alice Sycamore is in love with her boss, Tony Kirby, who is played by Jimmy Stewart. And he's the vice president of the powerful company owned by his greedy father, Anthony P. Kirby. So his father, Kirby Sr., is dealing a monopoly in the trade of weapons. And he needs to buy one last house in a 12-block area that's owned by Alice's grandfather, Martin Vanderhoff. However, Martin is the patriarch of an anarchic and eccentric family, which is kind of an understatement, (laughs) where the members don't care for money, but for having fun making friends. So Tony proposes to Alice, and when he does, she states that it would be mandatory to introduce her simple and lunatic family to the snobbish Kirby's. And Tony decides to visit Alice with his parents one day before the scheduled get-together. So instead of coming when they planned, Tony Mm -hmm. surprises them and comes a day before. Well, there's an inevitable clash of classes and lifestyles. The Kirby's spurn the sycamores and Alice breaks off her engagement with Tony. And it changes the lives of the Kirby family. So Heather, why don't you prep us by getting us, fill us in on who the main characters are. And there are several characters in this movie, but we have to run down the list because it just adds to the craziness of this movie. Um, So like Rose said, this is, you have the snobbish Kirby family. Anthony Kirby Sr. is a banker. He's rich and wealthy. He's got a snobbish wife. His son is Tony Kirby, who is more lackadaisical about things. And then you've got Alice's family coming into play, who is this crazy eccentric group of people and so let me just run down real quick who's Mm -hmm. in this house and then we'll talk about the kirby's but the the patriarch of the crazy family is grandpa martin vanderhoff he's played by lionel barrymore so if you know anything about history of film or theater lionel barrymore is a very famous name he is how is he related to Drew? He's Barrymore? the great grandfather of yeah he's related to drew Mm -hmm. barrymore so he's he's a very famous 
actor. So he plays Grandpa Martin Vanderhoff. He lives there with his daughter and her husband. So his daughter is Penny Sycamore, and she is kind of this flighty lady. She's <laughs> She acts on a whim, so... One of the running gags in this movie is that she loves to write screenplays and she's terrible at it, but she writes it because a typewriter was accidentally delivered to their house. And so she decides she wants to write plays. And so she's writing a play. Mm -hmm. um, and there's the gag through the movie is that she's always trying to get a character out of a situation. So the opening scene is her asking everyone, how do you get out of a monastery? <laughs> <laughs> and so she's, that's, that's his daughter, Penny, her husband is named Paul, Paul Sycamore. Paul loves to make fireworks in the basement. So they all live in this, side note, they all live in this huge house. So I'm sure it's like two or three stories, this mm -hmm. big house that can hold many, many people. And so Paul works down in the basement making firecrackers and fireworks illegally in the basement just because <laughs> he wants to, not to do anything nefarious, but just because he loves to make fireworks. So Paul and Penny's daughters, so Alice is one of, she's the main character along mm -hmm. with Jimmy Stewart. She's played by Jean Arthur, as I mentioned. She is probably one of the more level-headed characters in the family, but she's also got this zany streak to her. She's the secretary at the bank where mm -hmm. the Kirbys are, and that's how she meets Tony. So Tony is Jimmy Stewart. He is probably early 30s, and he's... And very dashing. Very dashing. He is going to inherit um, his father's business, so his father wants to pass down the business to him. Tony wants nothing of it. He doesn't care about that all that stuff about the wealth and position, but he's in love with Alice. Um, Alice's sister is named Essie, played by Ann Miller, who was 15 at the time. Which is crazy. She didn't yeah. look 15 in the movie. Yeah. And so Essie in the movie, her dream is to be a ballerina. So she is constantly doing ballet moves in the living room and she's terrible. <laughs> she's, she can't which is, dance. Which is opposite of Ann Miller because yes. Ann Miller was she's known dancer. as a great dancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's Essie. So you've got Alice and Essie who are the daughters. Essie's husband is named Ed Carmichael. He was a member of an <laughs> Alabama football team, University of Alabama football team, who somehow ended up coming to the house and he never left. He mm -hmm. just ended up living there. He ended up marrying the daughter. Um, he loves to play the vibraphone. So there's a big vibraphone in the living room. He's playing the vibraphone at different times during the movie. Do you describe what that is? It's for like, might not know. it's like a huge, it's not a xylophone, mm -hmm. but if you can picture a xylophone, it's like a really big one. Yes. That's um, what the visual mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. And so he plays that in the living room and, um, he also, so Essie, his wife has a dream of making her own candy business. And so she's, she cooks, she bakes candy. I don't know what kind of candy it is, but she makes candy in the kitchen all day mm -hmm. long. And he goes out and delivers the candy for her and I guess that's how he makes his money <laughs> and so that's the family but then there's other people in this house as well so there is Mr. DePena who was the ice man who came and delivered ice to the house and he never left the house because he loved it so much so he lives at the house he and Mr. Sycamore make fireworks in the basement and all kinds of other um, handiwork they're down there doing all kinds of I don't know what they're doing down there but they they have their own little thing going down in the basement it reminded me of like the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, you know, <laughs> yeah. experimental stuff that they would make. Mm -hmm. Then they bring in a character named Mr. Poppins, who is the one who actually spoke our one single thought. It was his line, and we'll explain that mm -hmm. in a minute. But he was a timid little um, bank clerk, and he was calculating figures. And Grandpa, the patriarch or the family, goes to the bank and invites him. He's, he basically says, do you like what you're doing? And he's like, well, no, it's just a job, you know. And so Grandpa ends up bringing Mr. Poppins home with him because Mr. Poppins likes to make these am animated little stuffed animals, like um, mechanical stuffed animals that move around and stuff and like a like a, a a rabbit coming out of a hat yeah like you wind it up and it yeah. moves so, like a jack in the box but yeah. with stuffed animals yeah so <laughs> so grandpa brings mr poppins home with him mr poppins goes down in the basement with mr depenna and mr sycamore and they're all down there doing whatever they want to do with their um their, their crafts and their um firework making they also have a crow named jim a real live crow that flies around and so they say come here jim and jim will jump on their shoulder so J jim and the three men are down in the basement the entire movie <laughs> <laughs> 
so Essie, I mentioned she's a ballerina mm-hmm. or she's aspiring. Yes, <laughs> she aspiring. wants to be a ballerina. So she has a dance teacher who is a Russian dance teacher. His name is Potop Kolinkov. <laughs> and he he doesn't live at the house, but he shows up every night for dinner. Mm-hmm. And so he comes in and he says, I'm in time for dinner. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then he teaches her a dance lesson and then he eats dinner with the family. Um, they also have... This is just a huge bunch of people at this house. Yes. They also have two servants, and so they're African-American, and so you have to think about the time. This was made right. 84 years ago. Mm-hmm. But they're basically part of the family, and that is Reba, who is the cook and the maid, and then her fiancé, Donald, who is kind of the jack-of-all-trades. He runs errands and stuff for them. And so they they also live at the house, even though they do all the the house maintenance they are basically part of the family as well that's everyone that's at the house so mm-hmm. then you've got the kirby so i talked about jimmy stewart's character mm-hmm. who is the fiance of alice and his parents again is anthony p kirby he is played by edward arnold and he is what you picture in these frank capra movies of having the stuffy old banker who wants nothing he's looking out for himself so he's he's trying to meet those aspirations he's got this very stuffy wife who um is a snob and her name is miriam and so she looks down on alice and her family most definitely and so those are the main characters and i included all those extra people because it just makes the whole movie all those those side characters really make the movie Mm mm-hmm so, Rose, do you have a favorite character, or was it just too hard to pick? It was hard, because there are a lot of great characters in the movie that I loved. It's hard not to pick Grandpa Martin Vanderoff, because I think he is sort of the... If I had to pick a lead character in the movie, mm-hmm. I think it's him, because he's sort of the patriarch mm-hmm. of the family. And I think everyone kind of turns to him for, you know, their guidance. It's interesting, if you watch the movie... Uh, Lionel Barrymore is on crutches the whole movie, and they mm-hmm. say that he, in the movie, that Grandpa has sprained his ankle, and that's why he's on crutches. Yeah. But actually, what was going on, Lionel Barrymore had very debilitating arthritis and wasn't able to walk, and so that's how they covered it up. But he was in a significant amount of pain during the filming of this movie. Mm-hmm. And the theme of the movie, or the the original play, is from the philosophy that Grandpa holds and shares throughout the entire movie is that this life is short. Money doesn't buy you everything. It won't buy you happiness. It won't buy you friends. And it's important to live every day to its fullest. And one of the major plot lines that's not shown on screen, but it's mentioned a couple of times, is that when Grandpa was younger, he was a businessman, and he was going up the elevator to go to his office, and he realized that he wasn't having any fun at his job. He hated his job. And so the elevator gets up to the floor that he's supposed to get off on. And he, instead of getting off on the floor and going to his office, he just rides the elevator back down and leaves. Mm. And so he never went back and he decided to live his life every day doing what he wanted to do and enjoy his life to the fullest to just collect stamps, which is what grandpa does. He collects stamps and Mm -hmm. he goes to the zoo and he kind of lives like a retiree, I think. I don't know if he actually would have been retired or if that's what that was. But the the whole goal of the movie, the whole thrust of the movie is live every day to its fullest. Enjoy life while you have it. Enjoy the people around you. And that's the theme that Grandpa conveys through the whole movie. And he speaks that to people over and over again. And so that's one reason he's such a great character. Mm-hmm. He's the stable character of the whole movie. I mean, in today's lingo, he would probably say YOLO. You only live once. <laughs> yeah. Live it to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Well, outside of loving Grandpa, I think my favorite character had to be Mr. Poppins. Mm-hmm. Even though he was a minor character, I just love the way that he grabbed onto their way of life. He moved right into the house and he did the YOLO. He's like, mm-hmm. mm, you only live once, let's do it. So this sort of plays into what our one single thought is today. That's where the quote comes from a scene mm-hmm. in the movie. So I'm going to link to it in the show notes. But Heather, why don't you kind of read the dialogue between Grandpa and Mr. Poppins. Yeah, I'm reading this from IMDb, so... Yeah. (laughs) They're in the bank. Grandpa has just met Mr. Poppins. Mr. Poppins is furiously working away at his figures. He's calculating figures on this adding machine. And 
Grandpa says to him, how would you like to come over to your house and work on your gadgets? And Mr. Poppins says, your house? Well, I don't know. Thank you. Grandpa says, oh, go on. You'll love it. Everybody over at our place does just what he wants to do. Mr. Poppins says, really? Grandpa says, mm-hmm. Mr. Poppins says, that would be wonderful, but how would I live? And Grandpa says, the same way we do. <laughs> Mr. Poppins says, the same way? Well, who takes care of you? Grandpa says, the same one that takes care of the lilies of the field, Mr. Poppins, except that we toil a little, spin a little, and have a barrel of fun. If you want to, come on over and become a lily too. And so that was the interaction between Grandpa and Mr. Poppins. And when Mr. Poppins finally decides to drop it all and leave. Which is hilarious. Which is very funny. Like I said, we'll, we'll, I'll link the clip in the show, note, show notes in case you don't watch the movie. Mr. Poppins runs and catches Grandpa on the elevator. And he goes, the die is cast. I'm a lily. So he <laughs> decides at that point that he's going to become a lily. And when he says that, Grandpa offers and says, would you like some popcorn? <laughs> and so they, Mr. Poppins heads to the house and stays there for the remainder of the movie. So I just like Mr. Poppins because I think he tries to be a rule follower. and He's so cute. He's, he's kind of so like cute. a piglet, piglet he, character. He's very much like a piglet to Grandpa's poo. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's true. So, Heather, who, I know it's hard to pick as well, but who who's your favorite character? You know, I love all of the characters in this movie. Probably not. I could tell you my least favorite character is probably uh, Mrs. Kirby, the snobby wife. She's mm -hmm. my least favorite. Actually, the one character that I really loved, and he's so minor, like he's not even, I mean, he's only on the screen for a little bit of time, but there's a scene where they're in a courtroom, and it's a night court, a night court scene. Mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it. But basically, the entire family, along with the Kirby's, end up in night court. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just a comedy of errors, and one thing happens after another. And it's one of those scenes where the whole town comes and shows out and supports Grandpa's family. Mm -hmm. And so the judge, I love the judge in this movie because he's such a sweet personality. And he really, you can tell he really agrees with grandpa and i don't i want to give away too much if i um it's spoiler we told y'all y'all yeah. might get some spoilers so go but, ahead um, anyway he rules in the family's favor and um he's just one of my favorite characters um i also i love essie for some reason <laughs> i don't know why i think she's just so quirky she's the one that does the ballet in the living room and mm -hmm. she's bad at what she does but she she doesn't care and she's just dancing away does um, it make you wonder if her candy's bad too well it seemed like they i mean they did sell they seemed it. to like it yeah. yeah there's so many things about each of these characters that i love i love that mr depenna is the ice man that never left and he just <laughs> lives down in the basement there's a scene where the mother who she's writing plays and she also tried painting for a while and so she had a painting of Mr. DePena in a Greek um, discus thrower outfit in a toga or something. I don't know what kind of outfit that was, yes. but he's wearing this mm -hmm. Greek outfit with a discus. And she had him pose and she painted him. And so... Was it that the scene when the Kirbys actually showed up at yes. their house a day early? Yeah. But anyway... But there's so many wonderful characters, and I can't pick a favorite, but those are just two. The, the, court, the Night Court Judge and mm -hmm. Essie are two of my favorites, I think. They're good ones. Mm -hmm. So did you have a favorite scene? You know, that was also hard, I think. I did like it when Alice, so there was a scene in the movie where Alice and Tony actually go out, and they're in the park, and these kids come up to them and teach them the Big Apple dance. And It's a swing dance, I it, think. Yeah. yeah, it's like a swing dance, and so... Uh, Gene Arthur and Jimmy Stewart dance in the park. And I think that's really cute. And then they end up in a restaurant where Tony's parents are eating. And one of the things that, that Alice always told Tony is that he got, he could get whatever he wanted. And if he didn't, he would just scream. Mm -hmm. And that's he how spoiled. he was spoiled. And mm -hmm. so they were sitting in the restaurant and he was sort of toying with her like he was getting ready to scream in the middle of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And he said, I feel it coming. It's coming up my throat. It's coming in my mouth. And so instead of him screaming, Alice lets out a scream. Because she she's, she's a scared that he's going to actually she, scream. Yes, she's scared. <laughs> and she keeps telling him, no, don't do it. And then she screams. So 
then they have to kind of play it off because the whole restaurant looks at them and and Tony just as quick like right off the cuff says well there was a rat I think maybe six or seven of them you know that's not a very good Jimmy Stewart impression but he he lets the the servers and the management know that there was a rat and six and or seven and the whole restaurant is in chaos completely in total <laughs> chaos and Alice and Tony escape and I just love that because first yes. I love it because the scene in the park really shows the the love between Alice and Tony mm-hmm. and how much you know and they have a witty banter between the two of them they do that's really great I love the witty banter mm-hmm. and then in the restaurant it's like they don't even they work together so well because once that happened they both played yeah. off each other and she responded and he responded and out the restaurant door they went and it just I don't know it's it's one of those those couples in in movies that you love from the old movies that know how to communicate without really communicating so that was probably my mm-hmm. favorite scene if I had to pick one Heather, what was your what was your favorite scene? There's too much. I I love the whole thing, but probably the funniest scene to me it's the build up to the pivotal scene that just brings everything crashing down. Mm-hmm. I think we said earlier, Alice wants Tony, so she Tony comes over. He meets the family. He realizes how wonderful and how crazy and kooky they are, and he loves it. He loves how how free they are. And Alice wants him to bring his family over to meet. Her family, mm-hmm. knowing that they are stuffy and snooty, but she wants to do it on her terms. She's like, I'm going to pick a night. You bring your parents over. You can meet my family. But she wanted a night to prepare her family mm-hmm. to hide all the craziness that goes on in that house. <laughs> um, and so Tony gets an idea. He doesn't want Alice to hide who she really is and who her family really is, what they're really like. And so he tells his parents to come on another night. A night when she's not expecting. So it's the night before they're mm-hmm. supposed to come. So they come on the wrong night. And so <laughs> the whole scene leading up to this moment is <laughs> just a bunch of random things happening. And it's you can tell it's building up to an, an explosion. explosion. A literally explosive <laughs> moment. So Alice is scurrying around the house. And she's got like her hair tied up because she's like wearing her work clothes. Like trying to get clean, clean the house and everything. And um, she's going around trying to think about, like, how are we going to arrange the table? Who's going to sit where? And all that kind of thing. And what are we going to have to eat? And she's making all these plans on her her notebook. She's writing down uh, notes and everything. At the same time, her her mother is writing a play, like she always does. As a typewriter. Mr. Depenna comes up from the basement. And he finds he finds this painting of him in the Greek outfit as in doing the discus. <laughs> and he said, "Do you remember when you painted this picture?" And and Miss Sycamore, Mrs. Sycamore says, "Oh yeah, we should finish the picture." And so she goes and puts on her painter's smock <laughs> and her beret and gets her her easel out and everything. Mr. Depenna goes down and puts on the the Greek outfit again. <laughs> Comes back up. <laughs> And then at the same time, Grandpa's, he's just casually throwing darts on a dartboard. So that this is happening at the same time. And everybody's just kind of talking and chatting with each other. Essie's doing her ballet moves in the living room. Then the Russian dance teacher shows up. You know, he's there for her lesson. And so they start practicing. Her husband, who plays the vibraphone, plays all these classical. So he's playing classical all these classical teams. songs and for the ballet practice. And he had just gotten back from delivering her candies. And, and, yeah. and there's another whole other scene of he's, which I won't get into because it's too much to explain, but he's accidentally spreading communist propaganda. <laughs> in the candies. In the candy, and it's hilarious because <laughs> he doesn't realize he's doing it. And so... All that's going on. The music's playing. Essie's dancing. Grandpa's throwing darts. Mrs. Sycamore is painting Mr. DePena, who's posing with his discus. <laughs> <laughs> and it's building up. And the crow is flying around in the living room. It's like all this crazy stuff is happening. And then the Kirby show up at the door. On the wrong night. On the wrong night. Yes. And they are appalled at what they see happening in this house. And, <laughs> and Mrs. Sycamore says, oh, sorry, we're just having a quiet evening at home. <laughs> but then, and Alice is mortified. Alice is mortified. She didn't realize this was going to happen. And so this leads to this big fight between her and Tony, which is leads to the climax of the movie. So Ed, who was 
accidentally distributing communist propaganda. The police have been following him the whole time. So they come to the house. They arrest the entire group of people at the house, including the Kirbys, who are super upset because they, they don't have anything to do with this family. The big moment is that they're getting arrest, ready to arrest the entire family. <laughs> and they bring up Mr. DePena from the basement. <laughs> he left his pipe lit down near the fireworks and they wouldn't let him grab his pipe when they were arresting him. They pull him out of the basement. And so the pipe ignites the fireworks. So the entire house just starts, <laughs> the fireworks just start shooting out of the basement and shooting out the windows and like the entire block. So it sounds like, you know, it sounds like communist. I yes. guess they thought they were under attack by a communist or something. Yes, definitely. Because they live in, you know, the city. Like mm-hmm. they're right in the, in the middle of the city. So yeah. Yeah. So it is... It is hilarious. <laughs> and um, they all end up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's where we meet the judge who I love mm-hmm. in the movie. But that that scene, that build up to that big moment is hilarious. And I'm not doing it justice just by talking about it. But just, but just watching the little things that are just piling up on each other. <laughs> And um, I think you can probably find, we might be able to link that one. I think that yeah, scene is on YouTube as well. Yeah, I'll link that well. one as well because that's a good, yeah. a good, a good thing. So, it it yeah. just kind of gives you a picture of what that mm-hmm. family's like and how mm-hmm. kooky it is. Yep. But that that probably is my favorite scene. But the whole movie is just wonderful. <laughs> so, Rose, this, we talked about this movie, I can't believe it, is 84 years old. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be 85 soon. You know, a lot of movies, they can be very dated but we found, like, I think as we both watched this movie, we found some things that we can apply to today. Mm-hmm. So how can we apply this movie to li- our life? I think that one thing is that you could tell in some of the dialogue that Grandpa has as he's reading the paper and talking uh, even to Mr. Kirby mm-hmm. Sr. that there's a lot of political angst at play in the 1930s. It was right before World War II. Right. And America's trying to stay out of it. We're trying to stay out of it. The The deal that Kirby's trying to strike is a weapons deal. And I'll say that when you, Heather and I talked about this, but when you watch the movie, that deal at the beginning, it, you try, you're trying to follow it. You don't quite follow it completely because it's pretty complex, or I think it is. But it's it's definitely a deal that they're striking with the federal government. But there is just a lot of political angst. And Lionel Barrymore, I think, was a very staunch Republican. Mm-hmm. And so his viewpoint kind of comes out even in the movie. I think he was kind of an isolationist. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about today how our movies today, you know, they, they spew forth their propaganda and their belief system or their thoughts on us. And I mean, this movie did too, you know, I mean, you see the Hollywood actors at the time, you know, their thought mm-hmm. process coming, coming through. Mm-hmm. I think one of the lessons we can learn from the movie is that we can learn a lot from older people in our lives. Yeah. So we look at the two older people in this movie would be grandpa. And then of course, Kirby senior and, with Grandpa, his years uh, on Earth really did make him wise to the fact that there's more to life than work. There's more to life mm-hmm. than doing a job that you're not happy at. And I think if we were to poll the audience today, I think most people yeah. would say that they're not always, they're not that happy in their workplace. And, you know, it mm-hmm. doesn't really make them happy. So if you think about this movie coming out in 1938, you know, we're on we're on the heels of the Depression. Mm-hmm. And people just have, I think, I think people probably had a very different outlook on life after going through that. And many say today we're in the midst of a recession or some sort of downward spiral that we're, you know, we're trudging through. So some of the same feelings and thoughts are true from this movie still apply today. And, and you know, when we look at at Mr. Kirby, the banker, Mr. Kirby Sr., mm-hmm. He was working for the almighty dollar, and that was it. He didn't care about his son's happiness. He knew his son yeah. didn't really want to do the job and take over. And Grandpa really did, like, try to encourage him in a very subtle way that there's more to life than what you're doing. And I think in our day and time today, we still live to work, and we work ourselves to death for the almighty dollar, but are we really truly happy? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people work a lot of hours, and... 
what is it really benefiting you to do that? I mean, is, are you making more money? Are you, you know, in, in lieu of that, are you sacrificing time with your friends and your family? I think that was as true in 1938 as it is in 2023. Mm-hmm. So Heather, we want to look at our movies to for spiritual aspects, but what are spiritual aspects we can glean from the movie? Thinking about, so you think about this movie. It was made in 1938. The play was written in 36. We are now in 2023. And it feels like for us in modern day time that it's, the world's falling apart around us. There's always something terrible happening. I mean, the the relations and people between groups of people in the United States is, there's a turmoil and um, between conservatives and liberals there's all kinds of stuff going on there's all kinds of wars going on around the world and just thinking about looking back at this movie 84 years ago was made when war was imminent they didn't realize in 38 what was going to happen with america and like how it was going to be entrenched in that war and it was something kind of comforting about this movie is that nothing really is different you know this is it's kind of like ecclesiastes like everything's the same it's always the same there's different people, different circumstances, different philosophies, but really when it comes down to it, the world has not changed. And I kind of take comfort knowing <laughs> that mm-hmm. there's always been strife in in our country and in different ways. One quote I really liked in the movie was grandpa was quoting Abraham Lincoln and he says, "Lincoln said with malice toward none and charity to all, nowadays they say the Think the way I do or I'll bomb the daylights out of you. <laughs> that could be said today. That could be said today for sure. There's another one Grandpa's talking about how people latch on to ideologies and <laughs> the way he says it. So the people that don't know what to believe, they just go out and get them something, find something to believe in that does no foundation to it really. And so Penny is trying to write a play <laughs> one of her horrible plays. She's trying to write a play. And Grandpa says to her, Penny, why don't you write a play about ism-mania? And she says, ism-mania? And he said, yeah, sure, you know, communism, fascism, voodooism, everybody's got an ism these days. <laughs> and she says, oh, I thought it was an itch or something. And Grandpa says, well, it's just as catching when things go a little bad nowadays. You go out, get yourself an ism, and you're in business. <laughs> And that's that today. That is so true. That is so like yeah. today. Yeah. Nothing. There's nothing new under the sun. I think that's from Ecclesiastes. Uh-huh. And that's so true. And I, I agree. I think it, I find it comforting to know that we can get in a tailspin about things today mm-hmm. and the sky is falling and all of that. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Lord is going to return one day. We don't know when that's going to be. But in the meantime, we don't need to be chicken little. Yeah. But talking about spiritual aspects, I mean, this movie was made many decades ago, and so there's that generally more wholesome mm-hmm. vibe about the movies back then. But Frank Capra in his movies is usually pretty direct on spiritual matters. And in this movie, Grandpa says the blessing before every meal. And it is, these, the prayers are just wonderful <laughs> the way he <laughs> prays. Um, I'll read one from IMDb quotes. And so they've got this full table of people because everybody in, in the neighborhood comes to eat with them because everybody loves this house. And, and the Russian dance teacher is always there for dinner. He's always there for dinner. And so this is a prayer that Grandpa, the blessing that Grandpa says before dinner one night. This is how he talks to God. He says, well, sir, here we are again. We've been getting on pretty good for quite a while now. We're certainly much obliged. Looks like Alice is going to be married and I think she'll be very happy. We just met the boy you sent her and he looks fine. Remember, all we ask is just to go along the way we are and keep our health. As far as anything else is concerned, we leave that up to you. Thank you. Mm. That's how he prays every night. That's <laughs> yeah, very direct. Yeah, and and honest. So it does have that theme of like just leave, let us be and let us live our lives, which you can argue theologically about when that is and when that isn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. But there is this idea that they're depending on God for their their daily living and it's just I love the way this family just they don't care about Mm -hmm. they don't worry they don't have any worries (laughs) so there's a scene where grandpa where Penny the mom on the typewriter says oh yeah you got a letter from from the government last week 
eventually they find out it was a, a letter from the IRS, and they're trying to get Grandpa on some back taxes that he's he owes. But they they're like whatever they don't care, and he's like, why would they be contacting me? <laughs> so there's there's moments like that where they just have no concerns about the world. They just want to be happy and live their lives mm-hmm. and spread joy to other people. I think in real life that's kind of hard to live that way when we're so much hurting and things you have to deal with around you. But we can really learn something from that and how to to live life and live it with joy and live it spreading joy to other people. Well, and Grandpa refers in the scene that we that you read about Mr. Poppins. He refers to the the scripture in Matthew mm-hmm. six twenty eight about consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say to you that Solomon all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And so mm-hmm. when you talk about no, you know they never worry. I mean that's part of what Matthew's saying in that that verse and in that chapter is not to worry about anything the lilies don't worry and they don't have to work or spin or toil and that's that's why i love our one single thought because it refers to yeah to the lilies when grandpa tells mr poppins well we depend on the one who takes care of the lilies uh-huh. and i think that's that's cool and that that's really interesting that you read that because thinking about solomon and all his glory and wealth and like you look at the kirby's the, mm-hmm. the wealth they had but Mr. Kirby, he's on, he takes Alka-Seltzer essentially because he's got stomach ulcers or indigestion mm-hmm. constantly because of all the stress he's under. He's got everything materially that he could ever want, but he's sick and he doesn't feel good and he's angry and he's stressed out. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to meet this expectation that society has on him. All right, this is a hard question for me to answer, but I'm just going to put it to you. Was there anything you didn't like about the movie? So, I think the thing I didn't like about the movie was I would like to know more about the background of Grandpa Martin Vanderkoff and his family. I would have liked to know more about how did Essie's husband end up <laughs> from come from Alabama. I mean, I think they're in New York in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, how in the world did he end up getting there from Alabama? Uh, I'm assuming Penny Sycamore is Grandpa Martin's daughter. Yes. And so, she married... Mr. Sycamore, and how did they meet? Uh, I'm assuming that Alice and Essie are their only children, but there's just a lot of... You need a prequel. I need a prequel. I need a prequel (laughs) to know where these folks came from. I want some backstory. And maybe that's part of what why we don't know, that we're not supposed to know the background, that we just need to accept them for face value. Mm -hmm. So, But that was the only thing, because throughout the whole movie, I kept thinking, I wonder about this, and I wonder about that. But, I mean, that's a minor thing. I mean, the majority of the movie, I, I really did enjoy. So... I know this is like your probably your all-time <laughs> favorite movie, Heather. But is there anything that you didn't like about the movie? I mean, the only thing that is problematic is probably the again remembering that this movie was made almost eighty-five years ago is the depiction of the people that are. So you have the African American couple, yeah. and then the Russian dance teacher, and so our society can be quick to cancel some old classics like this because of mm-hmm. the way things are depicted back then mm-hmm. but you have to remember the the culture of the time and the ideology of the time not saying that's right but even the people in that day and time were so you've got the russian dance teacher you've got the black couple the servants even though those stereotypes are there they're still treated as members of the family mm-hmm. and so i i really i really loved it and i so i really can't pick I guess the only thing I really, really didn't like about the movie was Mrs. Kirby. I just didn't like her at all. (laughs) Yeah, she was, she was quite the diva. Yeah. All right. So, Rose, we're going to rate our movies in this Movies You Missed series that we're going to occasionally do. Mm -hmm. We're going to rate them at the end with a one to five rating of popcorn boxes, which (laughs) now I want popcorn. Yeah. (laughs) With five boxes being excellent and one box being terrible. So... Rose, what is your rating of You Can't Take It With You? So my rating is four popcorn boxes. So I love a movie that has some redemption in the plot. This one does. There's redemption at the end. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see the Kirby's coming around at the end and Tony and Alice actually getting we don't see them married but the implication is Mm -hmm. they're getting married. So I do love redemption in in a movie plot. 
And, you know, old movies are just some of my favorites because I can typically trust that they're clean. And, you know, it's funny. I watch so many, you know, I've watched uh, a lot of, obviously, a lot of movies that were made since 1938. And when Mr. Kirby Sr. was popping the Alka-Seltzer constantly, uh-huh. I just thought he's going to drop dead of a heart attack because that's just the <laughs> That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes in a lot of movies, but thankfully he didn't. So I like that old movies always don't take the da- the drastic, yeah. horrible, you know, in it, tragedies. But I wouldn't rate it a five of five popcorn boxes simply because of my, the part of the of what I didn't like to, in the movie was that there were a lot of holes in the story that I would have liked to have been filled. Mm-hmm. Had I known a little bit more about that, I would have given it five popcorn boxes. But it's a strong four or four and a half popcorn boxes. So Heather, what about you? What's I mean, you your have rate? to ask. It's five popcorn boxes for me. It's a tub of popcorn. <laughs> it's a tub of popcorn. It's a bat of popcorn. <laughs> It's just great. I love it. It's my favorite movie. It, it is. It yeah. is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And I hope, I know a lot, there's a lot of people that don't like old movies. They don't like black and white movies for whatever reason. But take a gamble on this one and watch it. If you're feeling down mm-hmm. just about whatever, just watch this movie if you need a quick pick me up. It's just one of those lighthearted things just to turn on on a Sunday afternoon or something just to, to lift your spirits and... I'll be honest. I mean, I like old movies, but I was, I don't want to say I was skeptical, but Heather had shown me a few clips and I was kind of trying to piece it together and it's hard. But when I sat down and watched it from start to finish, I really liked it. And I think there are so many fans of It's a Wonderful Life out there. Uh I've seen It's a Wonderful Life and this is a spicy take, (laughs) but I definitely would rank this movie higher than It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're a fan of any of the Jimmy Stewart, Frank Capra movies, such as It's a Wonderful Life, you're going to love this movie. And it's, movies don't win Best Picture, Oscar Best Pictures, unless they're really, mm-hmm. really good. So. Yeah. Well, Rose, there's so much more we can say about the movie. And I, I would just, if I was <laughs> going to bore you all, I won't, I won't bore you all and read the whole script here. <laughs> But I do encourage you all to go to go check it out. If you have to rent it from Prime or something, it's worth the $4 to rent it. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect movie to watch this time of year, to watch during the holiday season or the first of the year. Just because it, it reminds you, especially during the holiday season when there's a lot of commercialism. Mm-hmm. And then you're dealing with the oppression of winter and paying your holiday bills and your credit cards and all that. Tax season's coming up. Um, just remembering what's the most important thing you know from a spiritual perspective we've got jesus Mm -hmm. we have our church family but just remembering from the movie i mean enjoy life to the fullest and enjoy your friends enjoy the people around you enjoy your family and to sum it up the dais cast i'm a lily the dais cast i'm a lily all right rose what is your random thought so my one random thought today is from stage to screen So the first of only two Best Picture Academy Award winners to have been adapted for the screen from plays, which won the Pulitzer Prize. So there were only two Best Picture Academy Award winners that also won the stage play, won a Pulitzer Prize, was You Can't Take It With You. Oh, really? It was the first, yes. The other play that was adapted and then won Best Picture was Driving Miss Daisy. And it won Best Picture in 1989. So, again, not only is this a Best Picture Academy Award winner, but the play that it is based on and has been adapted for the screen from won the Pulitzer Prize. And that's high praise. Yeah. So, you know, we don't get any kickback from you know, MGM or whoever produced the movie. (laughs) I'm just trying to emphasize just kind of the importance of the movie and watching it because it really is, it may not look like quality filming in 2023, but if you look back in 1938, that was quality filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. So Heather, what's your Ricky thought today? Well, I can't connect Ricky to the movie. I was trying (laughs) to think of a way. And we're currently recording this on December 10th, so I haven't taken this massive road trip I'm planning with my cat. So there's more to come on that. <laughs> I'll have some information to share, I'm sure, at the next one. But I will say I'm very proud of my boy. He finally passed second grade at cat school. Whoop, whoop. Ricky passed second grade. 
He's a second grader. He's a second grade. Oh, he's going to third grade now. Now he's going into he's, third grade. He's matching Zorro, the cat, who passed third grade in a week. Nice. But Ricky's not going to pass in a week. I'm sure it'll be like another three months before he gets anywhere close to third grade. So what are the, like, do you remember, do you know any of the tasks he has to do for a third, to pass third grade? So some of the things he'll learn in third grade are high five and low five. Give me your paw. High yeah. five, low five. Yeah. Chin rest, which is where it's helping the cat be okay with teeth brushing. Oh. Which cats can actually get tooth decay. Mm-hmm. And she teaches you how to brush their teeth with like without them squirming away. So that's part of it. Beginnings of lie down. So teaching them how to lie down on command. Uh, there's all kinds of things. There's some more agility stuff coming up. So he's going to be a very busy kitty. Just like I was excited about the fist bump, I'm excited about the high five and low five. I think that'll be adorable. All right. Well, we're moving into our last segment, our one single question. So today's one single question is, what is your favorite quote from the movie, You Can't Take It With You? Now, we've quoted a lot from the movie, but I think we each have a a phrase or a a quote that we like from the movie that we haven't talked about yet. So, Heather, what's yours? Well, I've read, I think I've already read most of my favorite quotes, <laughs> and there's some of the more serious ones that I've read that I really love that Grandpa says. But one that I love that's just hilarious to me, so like I said, Essie is a ballerina, or an aspiring horrible ballerina, and Mr. Kolenkoff is her teacher, and he comes every day, even though he knows she, he knows she's bad at what she does. And so, this is one of my favorite scenes. Essie says, I'll get in my dancing clothes and be right down. And Boris Kolenkov says, Oh, my Pavlova, you're a beautiful swan. <laughs> and Grandpa says, Is she making any progress, Kolenkov? And he says, Confidentially, she stinks. <laughs> and Grandpa says, As long as she's having fun. <laughs> Which is the motto. <laughs> but he, Kolenkov says, everything stinks at different points in the movie. He's kind of got this dry, sarcastic humor, and so it's sprinkled throughout the movie, and it's pretty funny. (laughs) What's your favorite quote? So my favorite quote is from Grandpa, and he's talking to Mr. Kirby, and this is actually, this quote is where the title of the movie comes from. Mm -hmm. So he says to Mr. Kirby, maybe it'd stop you trying to be so desperate about making more money than you can ever use. You can't take it with you, Mr. Kirby. So what good is it? As near as I can see, the only thing you can take with you is the love of your friends. Mm-hmm. And I love that because my dad used to always say, you know, there's no, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, there's mm-hmm. no U-Haul behind a hearse. And I've always said that the only thing I can take with me to heaven are my friends, people who come to know Christ that will go with me. So I love that, that he confronted Mr. Kirby Um, Mm -hmm. about being so desperate about making more money. Mm -hmm. So that's my favorite quote. Well, Rose, that wraps up our first edition of Movies You Missed. In two weeks, it'll be January 17th, which right now it seems kind of funny because it's December 10th (laughs) when we're recording this, but we'll be back in two weeks for our next episode on January 17th. If you have an idea of a family-friendly movie you would like us to watch and review, and we're looking at movies that have maybe been out for a while and not everybody has seen. Yep. We, we just really want to draw attention to some of some really great movies that just make you feel good when you watch them. So if you have an idea, um, drop us a line at Rose's website, rosebooth.net, and share your thoughts with us. Yeah, that would be great. I love bringing up backlisted movies that aren't popular at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Well, until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 